You've made it to The Paul List, a daily comics analysis podcast, where every day I pick a comic and I try different modes of analysis on that comic in dialogue with comic studies, comics journalism, and works by comics creators about how the art is done. Um, I'm Tuply. I'm on Twitter at T-W-O-P-L-A-I. Please rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you're finding us. Um, on Mondays, we talk about a Marvel comic. On Tuesdays, we talk about a trade paperback from another publisher such as Image, Dark Horse, Valiant, Boom. Saturday is our super friend with DC Comics. On Wednesday, we cover the wider world of comics, web comics, um, global comics. On Thursday, we do a throwback, a classic work. Friday is our family graphic novel, and Sunday is our smaller press comic. Thanks for coming. Let's dig deep. Today is August 4th, Thursday, and so our throwback today is Schultz Peanuts Artist Edition um, from IDW uh, by none other than Charles M. Schultz. Um, these artist editions are these hefty, hefty volumes that cost a hefty sum of money, um, but I have to talk about Peanuts, um, and I'll sort of get into the significance of Peanuts for me personally in a minute, but it's hard to imagine a more significant comics work that we can talk about on Thursday's throwback. Um, this uh, artist edition was printed in 2014. Um, it was designed by Ronald Dulk and edited by Scott Dunbeer. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful work. It's a beautiful collection. Um, Peanuts uh, has a pretty important role in, in comics in America and around the world. Um, it's hard to, uh, like I said, it's hard to imagine the the <laughs> the world of comics without Peanuts having left its traces, its footprints. Um, those characters are omnipresent. As a kid growing up in Taiwan, um, Peanuts was the first taste of Western um, comics or animation that I had anywhere because it was actually on my clothing. <laughs> I don't know how much of the clothing that I wore in Taiwan was officially licensed Peanuts clothing. That wouldn't be a shock since um, there's so much pe Peanuts licensing. <laughs> but, um, but I do know that um, it was everywhere. And uh, it was on clothes, it was on soap, it was on um, train, the side of trains. And you know that Asia certainly has its own share of characters that are omnipresent. Um, but for Peanuts to have had such um, global infiltration, to have permeated the culture everywhere, speaks to its global and universal appeal. Um, today I'm going to talk about Peanuts, um, the artist edition. Uh, uh, part of the reason I'm talking about it is because this volume of the artist edition, I don't know if they plan to print further ones, um, but it really has comics that are from the very beginning of Schultz's Peanuts run, which began in 1950. Um, if you can't plunk down the hundred or so dollars it takes to get one of these, I'm going to recommend a couple of comparable experiences to get at what, um, what I want to say about the, the Peanuts um, artist edition. Really, I want to talk about the beginning of Peanuts. I'll also be talking about David Michaelis's um, Schultz and Peanuts book from a number of years back, as well as a comics journal issue from 2008 that is in response to that book. Uh, but before I do, I just want to do a couple of notes. First of all, I want to congratulate the Comics Alternative podcast. If you're listening to this podcast but you don't listen to that one, I think that's something you would enjoy. Four years now, Comics Alternative, the two guys with PhDs, um, Derek and Andy, have been um, 
you know, producing weekly shows where they review comics. They have a ton of interviews with interesting creators. They have um, a, a manga episode once a month. They have a young readers episode once a month. Um, and I just want to give a shout out to them again and congratulate them for four years of podcasting. Their output is um, prodigious. I'm amazed every day that um, Derek and Andy and all the others there, and I've been able to guest host a, a, a few times. Um, but I'm just amazed at what they produce. I think they're an institution. They're becoming one in, in the comics world. And as you know, more and more stuff kind of shifts to internet-based um, and sometimes, maybe sad to say, leaves print-based stuff. Um, we're seeing the comics alternative play an important role in the, in the comics consuming and reading and discussing community. So four years is amazing. And their next episode is going to be their 200th episode. Um, so congrats. To Derek, congrats to Andy, congrats to the whole crew. Um, full disclosure, I am the editor of the blog portion, um, which we are trying to pick up our um, production and traffic there on the blog. So you can always check us out at comicsalternative.com. But uh, great work. Uh, next episode, as I said, is going to be their 200th episode. Uh, a, a while down the line, probably a few months from now, I'll be on there again. Um, hopefully, if all things go as we plan, to uh, to do an interview with them with uh, with a creator that we're excited about talking uh, talking to. Actually, I can I might as well go ahead and say it because uh, Derek talked about it in the last episode. We're hoping to uh, we're planning to interview Jason Shiga about his work Demon, which is was was a web comic, um, which uh, you know some of us got to receive as his Patreon supporters, and uh, which is coming out from first second in multiple volumes uh, starting this fall. Also want to give a shout out to another great podcast called Orbital and Conversation. If you're a comics fan but you don't listen to Orbital and Conversation, it's um, it's uh, produced out of um, uh, Orbital Comics, which is a, a, a from what I hear, fantastic store in London. And Orbital and Conversation is an interview show where Chris Thompson, who is there at Orbital, um, it's part of the Multiversity Network of Comics, and I've written on occasion for Multiversity, but. Um, uh, I mean, if you want to hear interviews with creators and with people in the comics industry, or sometimes they have these director's commentary episodes, kind of like um, director's commentary over, say, a, a film on a DVD, but um, or I guess a Blu-ray, I'm very behind, <laughs> um, where well, they have a pair of creators just, uh, sorry, not, not necessarily a pair, but um, a creator just sit and talk about their work as it's um, being presented to the, um, to the live audience at Orbital. Um, it's just a really great podcast, and I definitely want to shout them out and, and uh, point you there. Um, yeah, um, so, uh, you know, let me heartily recommend some other podcasts. Let me also say thank you for being here. I'm going to be here today. I'm also going to be here tomorrow. Um, I'm going to talk about March Volume 3. I've been reading it. Man, I'm excited to talk about that. Um, it's kind of nice that before I kick off on a bit of a break, I get to talk about two things that I get, I'm very passionate about, today being Peanuts and tomorrow being March Volume 3. So thank you all for listening. And hey, before I go on that hiatus, please spread the word if you can to talk about, um, uh, tell folks about this podcast, folks you think uh, might be interested, folks who, uh, you know, let me put it this way. 
I love um, dialogue partners. I love to to be in conversation with people about comics. The um, <laughs> the realities of my life situation mean that although I am called two ply in tribute to um, not just two ply Bristol board paper, but also to how much I think um, comics are a dialogical medium, a collaborative medium, uh, a medium that invites discussion and conversation. Here I am monologuing on a mic about that. So listen, if there's somebody who, as you listen to the content on my podcast, you feel like, hey, this is somebody that um, that uh, somebody would want to dialogue with, you know, please turn them on to the show and um, let them know. Uh, maybe they can go back and listen to, we're, we're, I think, coming up on 44, 45 episodes now that they can go back and find episodes of things that they're interested in. And um, and please encourage them. And I encourage you to, to respond uh, you can email me at 2ply at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at 2ply. And uh, I would love to just um, enter a dialogue with you. Um, so there is one person who has specifically reached out to me that I'm actually going to save until tomorrow to talk about because I'm going to mention some of his work. Um, but uh, just I just thank you all for listening. All right, let's get into Peanuts. Um, this IDW... Uh, <laughs> That's a great way to start. Uh, this IDW Artist Edition um, is not, I would say, mandatory. I'm not going to give any spoilers for Peanuts here, but not mandatory for you to um, grasp what I'm talking about. Um, th- the reason being that, um, you know, Peanuts has been reprinted like heck. Uh, it's been it's been reprinted by, it seems like there's, you know, every every couple of months there's a new publisher who's finding a way to, to reprint Peanuts. Um, but significantly recently Fantagraphics has just completed a long run of reprinting the whole complete Peanuts. Um, it's in black and white and they're reprinting now the Sundays in color but it really gets every single day of Peanuts all the way from 1950 to 2000 when it ended. Um, and um, and so if some of what I'm going to talk about, you could get the collections. And actually, they're now being issued in, in, uh, sorry, in paperback. But um, you could get one of the early collections of the complete Peanuts. But really, what I want to talk about is the first couple of years of Peanuts. That's what, rep, what's represented here in this artist edition. Um, I became a, a Schultz nut, <laughs> a nut, a peanut. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if there's a word for peanuts aficionados, but... Um, what happened was that I was on a family trip. I live in, in, in the Bay Area in California. We were on a family trip in wine country, which was an odd trip, seeing as how none of us really drink wine and <laughs> didn't know how to enjoy it. But there we were in wine country. It was nice. Uh, but we were looking for things to do, things that would be you know sort of family friendly and stuff like that. And so we had found out that the Charles Schultz Museum was in Santa Rosa. Now, I'd known in the past that Schultz was, you know, a sort of a North Bay, Marin County um, uh, resident when he lived. Um, he passed away in 2001, I believe, just a year after he ended his um, long 50-year run on his famous strip. I reached heights of, I think, fame and accomplishment that um, may be unmatched by any cartoonist um, in the United States. So um, Schultz... Um, as I said, lived in Santa Rosa, and there was a museum there that was a Charles Schultz Museum, a Peanuts Museum, 
found out next to it there's a skating rink anybody who's read peanuts knows how much ice figure skating ice skating meant to to schultz and to his family and to his characters obviously um and so uh, we thought it'd be a fun tourist thing now a little bit of background i was in my mid-20s at the time um i'm in my mid-30s now and um and i had grown up reading newspaper comic strips i mean all of them, every single kind that you can imagine, you know, your Calvin and Hobbes and your Garfield and things that were contemporary at the time. But I had also dug back and read, you know, Blondie from the 30s or um, or um, Lil Abner, you know, by Al Cap or, um, uh, uh, you know, Terry and the Pirates. And, you know, it's kind of like you name it. And I read those comic strips um, from different eras. I read Mort Walker. I read Mort Walker's books about Mort Walker, you know. Um, I guess the one example from the podcast in the past is I discussed um, Walton Skeezix, which was a, a, actually a blind spot for me in my childhood. But, you know, other than those big blind spots, which were largely unavailable because they hadn't been reprinted, I um, I read almost everything that was in comics and, of course, grabbed the newspaper comics every morning and, and devoured them. Uh, one of the things I never really appreciated as a newspaper comics fan was Peanuts, if you can believe that. Because even though, you know, it had front page real estate and even though I didn't understand all of Doonesbury, but I could grasp its humor occasionally, you know, and and of course I loved the Calvin and Hobbes that was there on the front page or the Foxtrot eventually or whatever. I never understood why it was that this Peanuts comic strip had the fame and the acclaim that it had, why it always got this um, front page of the Sunday comics real estate. What did it do to deserve it? Because I would read these comics and they were sometimes funny and the characters were recognizable, but it just seemed to be this um, unending repetition of the same jokes that I didn't really find very, very funny as if um, whoever this Schultz character was, was just scratching the same itches for years and years and years. And of course, you know, the newspaper funnies are characterized by um, cartoonists who scratch the same itch for sometimes decade upon decade. But um, I just didn't get Peanuts. I didn't appreciate its humor. Um, it's, I, I think the, I thought the art was cute, but, you know, it was just so... Um, you know, omnipresent that you started to, it started to blend into the background, the the aspect of newspaper comics that starts to become the, the lining for the birdcage, you know, to be pooped on. Uh, it just started to become wallpaper. I never had an appreciation of Peanuts. So we're going to the Schultz Museum and I'm excited because I know it's supposed to be important. You know, it's like when somebody invites you to you know, church, and you, you're not really that excited about the the idea of church, but you know it's important or good or, you know, temple or synagogue or whatever it may be. You haven't gone in too long, but uh, it's probably important. You haven't given that stuff much thought for a while. Uh, that was how it was for me to take this little pilgrimage to the Schultz Museum. I got there. The museum is awesome. It's wonderful. It's um, It's got, you know, it's not huge, but it's got a lot uh, for for. I mean, it's huge for being a, a, a museum dedicated to one man and his art. Um, there's a replica of Schultz's office. There's, um, you know, original art, tons of original art. And usually they kind of curate and, and present uh, according to themes. Um, there's a little cartooning space where um, sometimes creators come and give workshops uh, to kids and, and, and people who want to attend. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice museum, uh, a, a kind of a nice sort of garden area. Um, 
the characters are sort of huge you know <laughs> they're everywhere and they're and they're um you know blown up to to wall size um there's a video running a little bit of background about schultz something kind of sweet and romantic uh, quiet fitting of the um you know kind of of the feeling that we the general feeling that we have in in our culture about peanuts that it's something you know pleasant sweet nice maybe a little bit forlorn but um but you know sort of caked in in nostalgia um and you know i kind of enjoy i enjoyed the museum i said this is a respectful homage tribute to um somebody who was obviously very culturally significant but as i said it hadn't been significant for me I'm there in the museum gift shop, and they have on sale the um, first volume of the Fanographics Complete Peanuts Collection, 1950. So I, have to, I said, oh, it's on sale. It's 50% off. Might as well give it a shot. I buy that first volume of Peanuts. And you have to understand that I'm 25 or so. I'm a um, Berkeley English major. You know, I'm sort of at this stage of my life a, a little bit past comics if they're not sort of the highfalutin literary stuff. Um, <laughs> and... I disappeared in this first volume of Peanuts, the complete uh, works. I just fell in love. I read um, the whole thing on this. I mean, you know, long car ride on a trip, right? But I read the whole thing cover to cover uh, virtually in one sitting. And I just reread it time and time again uh, throughout the trip and afterwards Instantly went home, started to buy up on Amazon all the other volumes that were released, and since then have completed the collection. Uh, by the time my daughter was born, about five or six years later, our house was lined, totally lined with, you know, old paraphernalia, old, <laughs> uh, like, uh, new dolls, little toys, all kinds of peanut stuff everywhere. My my daughter, the the sort of, some of the earliest memories that she has of her surroundings is peanuts all around her you know charlie brown um a doll or a, a pillow with linus on it and it's because when i finally actually started peanuts from its beginning from its inception the way that honestly i now think it was meant to be read <laughs> i started to realize that all of those jokes that i had passed over for all of those years the reason why I didn't get them is because I wasn't there for their beginning. And Sh Charles Schultz, starting from 1950 in his first um, comic strip where, you know, Charlie Brown is walking by two girls, um, you know, who, who rarely appear later or rarely speak later. But, um, you know, uh, Patty, not Peppermint Patty and Violet, uh, you know, make their make their snarky little comment, you know, oh, good old Charlie Brown. And then they uh, they they end with the 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 punchline that um, is a punch, and suddenly I realized that the reason I had missed peanuts all this time is because as a kid and as a as a teenager I idealized childhood. You know, my picture of childhood was Junior Tracy or Little Orphan Annie or even to some extent Calvin, who was mischievous but imaginative. There was something about the dourness that I read in the sort of umpteenth time that Lucy pulls the football away from, from Charlie Brown that I just could not resonate as a kid with that being the idealized picture of childhood. 
Well, I think at 25, a couple things change. One, you have a different idealized picture of childhood looking back on it. And two, you're no longer necessarily reading because you're looking for idealized pictures. Actually, something about the dark reality that's there in, um, in Peanuts becomes very resonant to you. The sense of childhood as something that is um, innocent, not because it is guiltless or flawless or without um, you know, animus, um, but childhood as something that is beautiful because of the frankness, because we see a, a pure, unfiltered distillation of all of our human crappiness, um, and, but, but not in a way that makes us feel terrible about ourselves as human beings, but allows us to have a bit of a wry smile and a bit of perspective about ourselves. Um, and that's what the first volume of Peanuts kind of, you know, hit that, hit those notes to me. And sometimes they were, you know, um, uh, uh, melodramatic or sometimes they were um, romantic. But for the most part, they were um, sardonic. You know, for the most part, they were uh, quirky. They were all about the, the strange obsessions and the um, uh, untidy uh, messiness. <laughs> you know, that's that's redundant. The the sort of untidy emotionality and sentimentality of Charlie just longing for, uh, you know, actually early on the strip, he was less of a sad sack looking for affection and more of a mischievous little prankster, um, you know. But but um, Lucy demanding attention, you know. Uh, this is a strip from January eighth, nineteen fifty three, by now about the two and a half years and in, into the strip and um, in this collection and she's just shouting I want to get down and then the voice off panel um, I think adults only appeared like a couple of times is <laughs> kind of um, uh, anti-canon <laughs> that an adult should appear but an adult appears and says that's no way to ask uh, and then Lucy says please mother may I get down and then she replies not until you finish your milk it's just kind of like the normal interaction and exchange between a parent and a, you know, a toddler. But the look on Lucy's face is just classic. It's sort of like, I want to get down. That's no way to ask. Please, mother, may I get down? Not until you finish your milk. And you're just like, ah, oh, this whole system is like, what is this? <laughs> you tell me to ask this way, I ask this way. And, uh, you know, it's just the way the world doesn't make sense when you're a kid. And of course, you know, as an adult, you reason your way through it, and this is how it happens and why it happens. But the the pure nonsense of uh, of the 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 world, including adults and including other children, and the sort of ironies, um, verbal ironies, and and um, you know, sometimes dramatic irony that um, that leads to a really uh, classic, uh, you know peanuts type of sense of humor there's a strip uh december 3rd 1952 and he uh charlie brown is walking up on um uh, again violet and and patty talking about him and uh patty is saying charlie brown is an easygoing sort of fellow isn't he violet says i'll say he is good old charlie brown she's and then patty he seems to get along with everybody and then uh violet nobody hates him patty everybody likes him and meanwhile they don't know that that Charlie Brown is right behind him and his, you know, head has little glow marks coming out of it with his excitement that they're saying all these nice things about him. And then as they walk away in the final panel, what a wishy-washy character. <laughs> and there he is with his classic frown. 
look, I can't, if you don't find this funny, I can't explain it to you. But there was something, again, like when I was, uh, you know, for most of my life, I just didn't really think, you know, I didn't really get it. What's so funny about this? Something about sort of locking into the rhythm of the strip and, again, just reading it through um, from beginning onward. Um, the first time that certain kinds of jokes were introduced, I just realized what specific voice, what a specific voice, how infused with um, a kind of a self-aware um, and, you know, um, you know, a, a, a sort of um, ironic wink Schultz had about who we were as human beings, um, embodied in children, but really not lost when we become adults. It was um it was great. It was truly wonderful. Um yeah. So I started collecting peanuts at that point and um you know continued kind of uh uh reading peanuts. Um and even to this day, um this last volume of the Fanographics Complete Peanuts collection has come out um this last year and it's the um 1999 to 2000. Um, with an introduction by none other than President Barack Obama. Each of these volumes has had an introduction written by some kind of luminary. And um, President Obama, um, you know, it's it's not a standout introduction. There's others that were longer and I think more um, specific and more, um, I, I think, more more powerful. Um, but but I, I'll quote it here. He says about Schultz. That's what made Schultz, Charles Schultz so brilliant. He treated childhood with all the poignant and tender complexity it deserves. He gave voice to all its joys and anxieties, a spectrum of emotions that run from the start of a new baseball season to the anguished ah that comes with losing the big game. He explored the emotions that we too often forget kids feel until we're reminded that we once felt them ourselves. Hope, doubt, the exquisite pain of unrequited love, the self-exploration of what it means to be different, the comfortable knowledge that it's all going to be okay, even if Lucy's advice isn't very good. For decades, Peanuts was our own daily security blanket. Um, <laughs> if you've read some of the recent stuff, I think I think it was in the New York Times about about President Obama and his evening hours. I wonder if this was one of the things that he tasked to his speechwriters first to do a first pass on, or if he just sat down one evening, you know, pen at the table and just drafted a little introduction to Peanuts. So fascinating to think about him doing this while he's still in office. But anyway, um, I think he does capture it. And, he, you know, the, the way that um, Peanuts speaks to us and our, and our childhoods, our youth, our sense of hope and our sense of doubt, our, you know, unrequited love, and that it speaks to us as, as to our, to our sense of what childhood is, but also the child that's kind of within us, that's within all of us. Even more fascinating for me to, to read this thinking about the reasons why I identify with um, President Obama, <laughs> why I identify with President Obama. But, you know, the reason why I think um, the Obama campaign, I was on Obama pretty early, um, in, even after 2004, he made his speech at the Democratic um, Convention. But um, I think the reason why Obama was so appealing to me and to many of my generation, obviously, um, was that he um, embodied an experience or a set of experiences, experience the experience of being a person of color, but um, but one who was you know very much steeped and raised in American culture, the experience of um, of really being a cosmopolitan, um, but also very down home 
And I think there is something about Schultz that there's, you know, when, when Peanuts gets transported to, say, Taiwan in the 1980s, you leave out certain elements that are sort of very, very, um, you know, Midwest, let's say. Uh, he grew up in, the, in, in Minnesota, um, Schultz did. And, and you do leave out some of those elements, but there is still something very universal about Peanuts that, you know, kids in Taiwan can grow up with uh, an ability to identify with Snoopy, this imaginative, you know, sort of freak of nature who who um, creates all these worlds for himself, and they're just really fun to watch. Be it um, the uh, the World War One flying ace or Joe Cool, um, <laughs> and um, and I think what you see. Okay, so this artist edition, <laughs> to come back to the actual text itself, reproduces a lot of the original art that's. Bands from near the beginning of the strip till about the mid '50s. Actually, the, the strips that go up to the six to 1960 in this, I should say. But most of it resides in the early, um, in the first half of the decade, which is great because that's the peanuts that I think people rarely see um, because it's it looks off model. <laughs> At the time, Schultz is still sort of developing his um, his sense about what you know what peanuts is. Uh, is going to be what it's going to look like. Who are the characters that are going to take center stage? Interestingly, you know, in the first year, um, it's kind of documented that he didn't really um, pick up a huge following yet, um, and and you know, get the kind of syndication that say Pogo was getting or other strips were getting. But um, and and one of the things was that it seemed like there were too many characters and they were too indistinguishable. That was one of the complaints. Um, and so what you see over time is that he doesn't, you know changed those characters violet and and patty are violet and patty forever but um and shermie sort of is the blandest who disappears but um you know charlie brown remains that kind of um cipher you know and then uh and but gradually he starts to form who he is and is a very very distinctive voice lucy comes along and changes the game snoopy starts to adopt more and more characteristics Linus is born. Schroeder's always there in the picture, but he starts developing his obsession with Beethoven. And, you know, you just see, and this is why it's so fun to read this stuff from start to finish. You just see, start to see the accumulation of these small ideas that are just these tiny characteristics that grow into these uh, almost archetypes uh, of who these characters are. And it's really, really wonderful to, to watch. Um, and, uh, you know, what what uh, the IDW Artist Edition has done is to reproduce, not full size, because that would be, um, I think, impractical, but to reproduce, it's about two strips a page. Um, man, I wish I had measured the dimensions on this um, beforehand, but pretty, pretty big dimensions. Um, it's as close as you can get in book form to the experience of going to the Schultz Museum. So I recommend going to the Schultz Museum at in, in Santa Rosa. Um, and now it's become a pretty regular pilgrimage for us as a family um, with the the import that Peanuts has had in my life, uh, in my family's life. Um, but um, if you can go to the Schultz Museum and see this stuff printed large, it's great. If you can't travel that far, can't afford the plane ticket, uh, instead you get this IDW Artist Edition and you get as close to the experience as, you could, as, as I think you can get. Um, because they, you know, reproduce the original art. It looks the way that it looks when it's, you know, big and on the wall in the or on the display in the museum. 
what you see when you see the original art, like a lot of original art, is this stuff that's behind just the black and the white. You see the the sort of, and some of it is you know slightly discolored over time, but you see the the um, remainder marks of you know erasures and whiteout. You see the the places where he fixed text. You can see some of the pencil lines underneath. Although um, his process, I think Schultz tended to sketch heavily on other little slips of paper until he got the the sort of aspects of form and function kind of down pat. So that by the time he went to pencils and inks on the on the board, um, he was already pretty pretty set. And so you don't see a lot of like you see in some original art, a lot of the undergirding um, there in, in pencil or blue line or something like that. I think it's pretty finished when you're there on the page. Um, but one of the great things about appreciating Schultz's line as an artist and his artistry, um, and of course, you know, famously spare, um, famously simple. But one of the things about appreciating Schultz and his artistry is that um, we have some footage of him doing his work, which is not, you know, the same can't be said of a lot of cartoonists. And you just see how almost effortlessly but perfectly weighted. I mean, here's a little experiment if you've never done it. Uh, you know, without reference, without looking, go ahead and draw an on-model Char uh, Charlie Brown. He seems so enormously simple, and yet this one little variation, this one little sort of slip-up of proportion, and he's not Charlie Brown anymore. You know, it's almost the way that, like, uh, face recognition technology somehow managed to get all of the proportions of distance of eyes and stuff like that just right. And Schultz had internalized these faces. I, I mean, forget about Charlie Brown. Try drawing Linus. Try drawing all seven strands of hair that tend to be there in just the right shape and from departing from just the right part on Linus's head and landing in just the right place to make it look like a genuinely Schultz Linus. You can't do it, you know? Imitators try, and you just know that he had, um, you know, even in his latter years in the quiver of his pen as he started to not have the same kind of control in his hand, but that quiver incorporated into his line he had these characters in the um in the tiniest nerves of his muscles and um and they came out and they were beautiful um so um yeah so so the artist edition is is gorgeous um and glorious because you can see kind of painted large and imagine that his line you know when you see it i think reprinted small or even on a sunday comics page the size of it makes you think of it as something fully formed. It's almost like looking, you know, watching a movie without seeing how any of the the sausage is made. None, none of the 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 stuff behind the special effects, the green screen, and all that kind of stuff. You know, when you actually see that stuff, you 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 realize the complexity that goes into it. That's one of the benefits of seeing this comic strip print printed large. Is that when you when you see it small, it's fully formed. It's sort of in its finished state and it's already has a, a kind of polish that when you look at it big you realize oh Shermie's strands of hair or I guess in latter day it might be like um, maybe uh, uh, pig pens strands of dirt or whatever are they're you know they're, they almost seem considered you know each one placed with a kind of considered Ness. Uh, but but you know of course he couldn't have done that it, everything was instinctual and it just makes you appreciate the simplicity of how few line with how few lines um schultz infused so much life into these characters you know 
tiniest amount of background, the slightest hints. Um, and early on, you can see he does more. He just, you know, he draws entire neighborhoods that later on he's like, why am I even doing this in three dimensions? I don't need to do this, you know? So, so all he has is the suggestion of grass in the background or the suggestion of a coffee table. And that's really all that's necessary for him. Uh, if you want to make a study of um, visual art, of comics art, of semiotics or whatever, that um, that is uh, a you know deliberate process of mastering simplicity. Um, this is a place to look, and you know in terms of proportion and measure, being in the four-panel comic strip and later three-panel comic strip, even the Sunday comic strip that gets chopped up. He didn't have to make a lot of the same decisions as, say, an Eisner or um, didn't have to make a lot of the same, uh, you know, um, you know, framing uh, tools as a Kirby or a Kurtzman or something like that. But what Schultz did is he, you know, <laughs> he mastered the square. You have a square. You have a bunch of open space. Now, how do you fill it? How do you fill it in a way that is a rhythm? How do you fill it in a way that communicates meaning? Um, I think he, he does it with, um, uh, with pure poetry, um, pure visual artistic poetry. So, um, yeah, so that, the, um, that's, uh, I think, the IDW Artist Edition worth getting. Um, I should also mention that this last volume of the Fanographics, the 1999 to 2000, because um, by the end of his career, Schultz was often reprinting on certain stretches. By the way, the, the beginning of Peanuts is awesome and great and uh, a little bit off model <laughs> from what you think. So is the very end. And I think some of the last um, about three years or so of, of Peanuts is really the funniest. Like Schultz just gets hilarious uh, with rerun, with um, some of the old tropes kind of made new. His line is just ultra wiggly, and it's really fun to see that. Um, and then in the uh, sort of back half of this volume, because there's not enough content to fill quite that much, and also just for other really good reasons, um, Gary Groth and company have decided to reprint um, Lil Folks, which was the sort of one-panel gag. You know, it's like a group of one-panel gags that um, that Schultz, who, who it's called Sparky's Lil Folks, or Lil Folks by Sparky, because Sparky was what... Um, sort of Schultz went by um it's just you reprinted them uh they reprint them and you know you don't obviously you you sort of cemented the the notion of Schultz in four panels but he's really funny in these one panel gag strips I mean they're same sort of humor especially in the that's there in the early peanuts but um just funny <laughs> I mean so good um you know uh, it's just, some of these, it's, it just does a terrible injustice for me to read them out loud. But, you know, there, there's a lot where there's like a boy who's um, sort of head over heels for a girl, but says sort of just the most ridiculous thing. I'm trying to find one right now that I can, <laughs> that I can, uh, I can repeat. But anyway, uh, oh, uh, well, okay, this is different, but it's a girl in front of a comic rack next to a boy. She, she says she's holding it open. And she says, hey. Here's a swell magazine. Why don't you buy it? Then I'll borrow it. <laughs> it's just like that kind of humor. Ah, maybe I failed to. Maybe I just destroyed it with my um, my rendition. Anyway, pick it up. Read it. That one was from the Complete Peanuts, 1999 to 2000 from Fantagraphics.
Um, so yes, I am recommending the Schultz Museum. I am recommending, if you can, uh, if you can swing it, the IDW Artist Edition. I actually got it on a sale where it was um, half price. So um, that that's pretty awesome. The complete peanuts from Fanatic Graphics. But really, like I said, pe the peanuts is everywhere. Boom has been um, remaking. I think they just wrapped up remaking um, peanuts. There's a tribute uh, book that came out last year that's coming out um, in I think in trade paperback in a few months. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, you can find peanuts, just go on Amazon, go on eBay. You can find a ton of peanuts anywhere. One of the things that you're likely to find if you do that, and I just want to mention this briefly to, to kind of touch on the, um, uh, the ethos and pathos and, uh, Aramis and D'Artagnan of, of peanuts. One of the things that you're going to find if you search peanuts is a book, um, from 2008 by, um, David Michaelis. Uh, this came out, you know, not far from the time, sorry, it actually uh, came out in 2007, but um, not far from the time that I started um, getting into Peanuts. So David Michaelis had this um, biography uh, extensively researched. It was saying um, that he'd researched for, you know, over a decade uh, for this book. Um, HarperCollins printed it. Um, it had this beautiful uh, Chip Kid color, cover design that was essentially the, the, um, the uh, you know, Charlie Brown stripe. Um, on a yellow book jacket. Um, I read the book. I kind of devoured it. Um, I didn't read, actually, I, I probably stopped about two thirds of the way and skimmed a lot of the rest. Um, it was a portrait of Schultz that um, was really fascinating. And, and Michaelis is a sort of a superb writer. Um, kind of, you know, there's passages in here of just sublime prose. Um, and I, what I liked the most about the book was his incorporation of the comic strip, his discussion of the comic strip. And he, he um, you know, interwove that with facts, details, narrative uh, accounts of um, Schultz's life in ways that really had, you know, mutual resonance. And so there's a there's an artistry in Michaelis's rendition that, um, you know, describes this person, uh, Schultz, losing his mother at a young age, at a, at a youngish age, you know, being in the, the army, his, his time in service, um, uh, becoming a cartoonist, marriage to his first wife, um, uh, the strip, you know, um, getting, getting uh, printed, uh, his career taking off, gradual dissolution of his marriage uh, to his wife, um, a few relationships that eventually, you know, he winds up uh, remarrying, um, his family life, and then sort of toward the end of his life. Um, all of it, you know, 800 or so pages, no, sorry, 600 or so pages, really to paint a certain picture of Schultz as a more melancholic and morose man than we generally picture the creator of Peanuts being. And there's been a lot of things written um, about Schultz that have said that, yeah, he, he may have dealt with depression or he, he you know um, he, he you know some of the the <laughs> the almost miserly sadness that um, Charlie Charlie Brown you know oh, no 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 with his head down <laughs> that was actually who Schultz was this actually very sullen and and, um, and depressed person um, and I think Michaelis doesn't do much to dispel that actually he he seems to kind of explain it and then use it as as explanation for all kinds of things for the strip for the sensibility of the strip which again Michaelis writes about with I think some 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 great poetry um, 
uh, but also things that happened with his family, family and his personal life, um, thing, ways that he dealt with success well and, and didn't deal with success well. Um, and he, he writes, like I said, my favorite parts of the book, um, and it's a big book, uh, are the ones where he writes um, about the strip, you know? Uh, he says, let me read a, a passage it's from page 245 about the time. This is about kind of the period that um, I've been talking about, the, the very beginning of the strip. Uh, uh, Peanuts full of empty spaces didn't depend on action or a particular context to attract the reader. It was about people working out the interior problems of their daily lives without ever actually solving them. The absence of a solution was the center of the story. And, as Schultz insisted at the time, 90% of the humor is in the drawing. The ingredients of much of what was to become Peanuts mixed together with Sparky's new life in Colorado Springs during the first year of marriage and of fatherhood. They had moved in the very year that uh, Louis Cronenberg in Company Manners wrote, The moving van is a symbol of more than our restlessness. It's the most conclusive possible evidence of our progress. Unquote. And the move itself, so optimistic on the face of it, um, moving ahead, was for Sparky at least a wrench away from all that he felt secure in a big move as he later looked back on it in the strip that appeared october 17 1951 patty wants to show charlie brown her new model sandbox and he smugly goes along saying charlie brown is always interested in progress show me to it but once he has climbed into what appears to be no different from the sandbox on any playground he learns the profound difference between the two as a happy patty looks on without lifting a finger or calling for help and she says, it's a quicksand box. The, print, the strip is reprinted right underneath. The American assumption was that children were happy and childhood was a golden time. It was adults who had problems with which they wrestled and pains that they sought to soothe. Schultz reversed the natural order of this universe as he had reversed the dominance of the sexes, referring, I think, to, the, to all of the female characters, but most especially Lucy, by showing that a child's pain is more intensely felt than an adult's, a child's defeats the more acutely experienced, uh, sorry, a child's defeats the more acutely experienced and remembered. Charlie Brown takes repeated insults from Violet and Patty about the size of his head, which they compare with a beach ball, a globe, a pie tin, the moon, a balloon. And though Charlie Brown may feel sorry for himself, he gets over it fast, but he does not get visibly angry would you like to have been abraham lincoln patty asks charlie brown i doubt it he answers i have a hard enough time being just plain charlie brown um so michaelis writes like this throughout sort of you know by juxtaposition showing the the kinds of um uh <laughs> unfinished and unfulfilled aspects of you know the deep parts of Charles Schultz's soul and how they manifest in the in the comic strip on the page. Um, the big problem, and I hasten to say this now that I've given so much airtime to Michaelis, um, the big problem is that it seems like um, the representation of of Mr. Schultz that Michaelis presented is one that doesn't jive with what his family remembers about him. Uh, he he interviewed and spent extensive time with um, with uh, Schultz's uh, uh, wife and his his children, especially uh, Monty Schultz, his son, who is himself a a writer, a novelist. I think uh, has written some historical work as well. But um, when the book came out, um, the Comics Journal uh, number two ninety in May of two thousand and eight. Um, published an extensive issue uh, with a really long um, round, uh, 
essay, and then a roundtable of people responding to an essay written by none other than Monty Schultz, the son of Charles Schultz, who had a long relationship with Michaelis in the process of writing this book, who had a very polite exchange. He calls it even to the point of a friendship, um, but was um, sorely disappointed when the book came out that he felt like um, significant facts and details had been misrepresented, uh, sometimes erroneous, sometimes just um, cherry-picked. Um, but more than that, the sort of essence and soul of Schultz that that Monty felt that he and his family tried to convey to, to Mr. Michaelis had been um, misrepresented. And instead, Michaelis had given into the sort of maybe the literary temptation of writing this, um, you know, somber and dark figure of Schultz and, um, and reading that into his comics, reading that from his comics into his life and, um, and really kind of undercutting a lot of who the man was according to Monty Schultz, according to, um, Schultz's, uh, widow, according to the family. Um, you know, he's portrayed in the book as sort of a, a distant father, uh, not very involved, uh, that seems to be patently false. Some of his accounts of uh, his experiences in the army and in war and some of the guilt that he felt from those experiences seem to have been um, um, <laughs> not according to the testimony of, you know, the, the, the soldier friend, the veteran friend of Schultz that um, Mr. Michaelis spoke with. Um, and I think maybe more importantly for us than the details is the sense that Monty Schultz um, you know, conveys, and that is echoed by some of the other essayists, including Jeet here and R.C. Harvey. He conveys the sense that um, uh, that that the essence of who Charles Schultz was as a man is misrepresented in Schultz and Peanuts, a biography. Um, that you know, a person who I who had um, <laughs> like all human beings a great deal of range and actually took a whole lot of joy in his life and took care of his kids quite a lot whose faith was authentic and ardent whose even his who, whose relationship um, which eventually ended in divorce with his first wife um, was not necessarily the way that um, Michaelis constructs it for the convenience of his uh, beautifully written narrative and I think it's an interesting thing to um, see this haggling over the image of Schultz because who Schultz is seems to matter to people like us who are, you know, sort of uber fans of Peanuts. Who Schultz is matters because reading Peanuts and finding delight in it seems to say something about ourselves and our human condition as adults, as families, as children. And then the, the notion that it comes from maybe the very darkest places of Schultz and uh, a person who seemed to uh, by Michaelis's account, be sort of governed by this darkness. Um, it's 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 sobering and it makes for <laughs> really good reading. Um, but I think the um, the commentary by 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 people in the comics journal uh, pieces really reminds us, snaps us back into the reality that um, you know our constructions of each other's lives, um, even in biography, are sometimes as much fictions as the things that we create as stories. They're, they're convenient remembrances um, for whatever purposes that we have for them. Uh, Monty Schultz describes how he, you know, confronted even before the book was published, but when he had read proofs, when, by, but by then it was really too late to change substantially, that this portrayal didn't represent what... Um, he had, you know, spent years really trying to, um, to, you know, very 
forthrightly and honestly um, share and open himself to um, to Mr. Michaelis to 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 see about who his father was. Um, and in a way, I think reading that bit of the comics journal was reassuring for me because. If there is a side of Schultz, and there probably is, that is more like the the construction that that Schultz and Peanuts, a biography, um, uh, puts forth, that's fine. That's probably um, undeniable. <laughs> I mean, what human being doesn't have the kinds of um, guilt-ridden, trauma-ridden, uh, loss <laughs> loss-fueled um, emotions that uh, he describes, um, but are they the whole of our constitution? Or does it actually take a, um, a bit of having been healed or a bit of moving forward with your life, a bit of embracing the day-to-day joys of your children and you know eating cereal with them or teaching them how to skate or whatever? It takes a good amount of that to have the kind of perspective that allows you to create on a daily basis for 50 years the, um, the kind of humor the you know sardonic distance but also the sheer embrace that um of life that that you get from reading peanuts you read a couple of strips of peanuts you think this guy is really depressed and then you can craft a pretty nice narrative from details of his life about that the fact that he you know had affairs um the fact that he uh you know worked a lot because he was a famous cartoonist you know but um but you read all of Peanuts and you perceive a person who, you know, didn't have to be an extraordinary human being, was actually just very much in touch with being an ordinary human being for whom life included pains and joys, for whom life included, um, you know, the trauma that never gets resolved, as well as the, the splendor that, um, you know, we, we never get to pause enough to, to enjoy. Uh, I think Schultz does that. Um, in his strip, it seems that according to um, people who knew him, that was him in his life. Um, and it makes that, that pilgrimage to the Schultz Museum one for me that is not just about comics, but it's about comics and the ways that comics are, um, you know, for those of us who are fanatical about them, um, a kind of narrative of our souls, you know, uh, uh, sometimes of our fears, sometimes of, of the worst of ourselves. Um, sometimes it needs to be there for us to be able to laugh at and look at, but also of our, of our sentiments, of our deepest um, longings and loves, um, the things that we hope for, are disappointed by, and yet we cannot help but hope for. Um, so, yeah, so peanuts. <laughs> um, I think that's what I wanted to cover. Uh, my 20-minute podcast is nearing an hour. Listen, thanks for indulging me if you've listened this long. Uh, thanks for joining me. Uh, please contact me, uh, you know, to say hello. Let me know you're listening. Like I said, I'm going to be on hiatus after I talk about March tomorrow, and then I will be um, considering whether or not to, to come back for this. So your feedback um, that you've already given, those of you who are listening, has already meant a lot. Shout out to you, Greg. Shout out to you, Chris. Shout out to you, Hector. Shout out to all of you out there. Um, and then those of you who, um, who are listening, who I haven't heard from, it would be great to hear from you just need a few and uh, and I'll know this is worth going on okay take care and keep reading <laughs>